Join us and 1,200 plus other investors at the premier event for commercial real estate pros at the 2024 Best Ever Conference in Salt Lake City, Utah. Get exclusive economic insights from top industry economists, learn actionable strategies to scale your business, expand your network, and discover new investment opportunities. Use our exclusive promo code SPBEC24 to save 10% on your ticket. Visit www.besteverconference.com to learn more. Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Selah and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today our guest is Billy Brown. He is a two times Amazon bestselling author, entrepreneur, and investor. He's also the founder and CEO of the Gulf Sanctuary and also the founder of the Investors Capital Group, a concierge commercial loan brokerage for investors. So Billy, thank you so much for being here today. Welcome and how are you doing? Eileen, thank you for having me. This is fantastic. Good to talk to you and good to be here sharing some wisdom and some hard-earned lessons in real estate investing, lending, and entrepreneurship. Absolutely. So Billy, let's start off. If you can share a little bit about your background and how you got started with real estate. Yeah. So I started off like everyone else. I house hacked. I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I figured out like, I bought a house with one of those ninja loans back in 07. And I figured out where I was living, which was in the hood back in Nashville, that if I rented out my room, it would almost pay for the mortgage. So I actually had it rented out before I even closed the house. And it's like, that went great. Absolutely fantastic until I got married. And then the house got too small. I actually lost that, <laughs> lost the real income, so to speak. And pretty soon, like Nashville, it's like that was like 2013. So Nashville was starting to boom a little bit. House was kind of close to downtown. And I started asking around, I was like, what's rent over here? And I uh, started figuring out, I was like, oh my gosh, like if I rented this out, I would make like $300 a month over my mortgage. Of course, I didn't have no idea how to unwrite anything. like, that's all I could see. It was like, well, my mortgage is like 600 bucks. I ran it for $900. I mean, yeah, that's not how it works by, by the way. So talked by my then wife and like, hey, let's go find something else. So we did some research, found a mentor. And I said, well, you guys need to go buy a duplex. And you can still buy duplexes back then and live in one side and around the other one. So we found a duplex just by the airport in Nashville. It was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal place. I wish I still had it. I love that place. And there's two sides to it. One was like really big and one was small. And I forced my then wife to go Let's do the small one. Because if you live in the big one, we'll never leave. It's <laughs> like, it's that nice. So we did that for about, I don't know, probably a year and a half, two years. She ended up getting pregnant. So we went to buy another house and to look at that one. And that time the market was starting to heat up. So at that point, we were actually basically lived housing free. And then I bought a triplex. And at that point, we had a triplex, a duplex, a single family, and then the house we're in. And I will tell you, I was self-managed and I do not wish that on anybody at all. So that was a big mistake number one there. But anyway, long story short, that actually led to me figuring out how to go bigger and how to go and underwrite and investigate other things, which uh, led to commercial lending and all that. But point that listeners need to know is that I started out small, just like everyone else. And I figured it out and a lot of broken noses and bloody noses and like mistakes. And yeah, here we are. So 
So after those, the triplex, duplex, your single family house, what led you to get into the bigger deals and how did you make that transition? <laughs> I was at the point where actually all of the properties were vacant. And I was having really? to fill, Oh, it was like at the awful. same time? At the same time. Oh and if you've gosh. never had that as an investor, you need to because that's the giant revelation of, oh my God, real estate investing is not passive. <laughs> that's the first lie I like dismissed there. So I started seeing people, this is like 2015, 2016, started seeing people that I knew that were not the brightest bulbs in the basket buy these big apartments. So what, how the heck does that guy even know how to go do something? So I started learning, which led me into teaching, finding commercial lending. So I actually started teaching it and have my own brokerage. And we actually did, did our own deal. So we actually 1031 into, we tried a 1031 in a property and that didn't work. So we actually got caught on taxes there, just fine. But then I actually figured out how to syndicate. And I syndicated my first apartment complex in 2019. We followed that up with a JV on an office complex in Wisconsin. It was a triple net lease. It's the beautiful, most beautiful thing ever until offices aren't cool anymore. Like right now, it's great. When the lease runs out, it's going to be bad. <laughs> and then we syndicated the golf sanctuary. So once you learn those skills, they can apply broad-based. And it was so much fun. But I figured out from some mentors that actually going big is actually easier. And lending actually experiences as not only as a borrower, but also as a lender, it's actually easier to go bigger. There's actually more money out there for the bigger deals and it's cheaper. I was like, wow, this is incredible. It's a hell of a lot easier. So the pain there led me to going bigger and, and just like, this is more profitable. Or, so yeah. So before we jump on to the next step and the next part of your story here, the part where all of your properties were vacant at that time, yeah. what was the conclusion? Like what happened during that time? And how did you get out of that situation? I mean, thank goodness we're in Nashville and we're it's hot. It was just a pain in the butt. So I think we found the tenants pretty easily for the duplexes we moved out. The single family I handed over to a property manager just for a little bit. She took me on as a friend. She doesn't do the small stuff. That ended up being bad. And then what else? Oh, the triplex. We were actually had a, started out as a vacation rental. All this before like it got hot. We thought based on where it was. It was going to be good. Lay out all that. I was like, this is going to be kind of pretty cool. Like we had all the studies done. This is going to be good. It was awful. Absolutely awful. Fortunately, back to Nashville, being lucky. It wasn't based on any of my genius. We were just happy and lucky in the right market at the right time that we turned it into corporate housing and got it going really good. Got everything cleaned up there as far as the house. And then actually sold it. When was that? 2020, 2019 or something like that? No, 2020. I don't know. I want to think about that property. Was, <laughs> we broke even. It was the greatest win ever. We broke even. <laughs> Sometimes not losing money is a win, folks. Yes. <laughs> and if you haven't experienced that joy of breaking even, you need to. <laughs> so, Billy, when you first bought that first apartment and you did the syndication for it, was yeah. that on your own or was that with partners? We, we partnered. I knew enough that I didn't know enough. Lending standpoint, you need to have a lot of things, including his net worth, you need to have experience, you need to be close to property, and you have some capital behind you. And we didn't have all that. I had the knowledge to be able to go get the loan done, underwrite it, analyze it, all that between the commercial lending, CCIM, all that. I knew that this was a good deal, but going through the steps from spreadsheet to actually going through negotiations to closing was to a whole deal. And then asset managing. A totally different ball game there. So fortunately, I knew a guy, former Marine, 
that's a spreadsheet genius. And he was able to verify my data and manage it. And he's really, really good at like getting granular on like, hey, if you go flip a, a unit, it's not, it shouldn't cost you $7,000. It should cost you $3,407. That's how granular he was. Those aren't exact numbers, by the way. I just made that up. I have no idea how much you can say. <laughs> All I know is like, I'm not a good asset manager. So he went through the process there. So I brought him on board because Chris, our asset manager, was too much shy of having the two years experience needed to qualify for an agency loan. It's like, well, we can't wait. So we brought another guy on board that had the capabilities to go bring in more investors. He had the balance sheet to go do this and to go, we GP'd it. And it was great. I mean, it's working well. We're actually, it's going to be in the market here pretty soon. And it was one of those rarities that once unicorns, we bought it basically off market. Is around an eight cap, and we'll be able to sell it for six and a half cap. And it's going to make us a pretty good little profit. Hopefully, Q4 this year, Q1 next year. So, And can you share a little bit about the Golf Sanctuary and how that all came about after your syndication and the JV? Yeah. So let's talk about an apartment building. If you guys have bought an apartment building, there's exactly zero things exciting about apartment building after you've bought the first one. You can literally look at the spreadsheet and the pictures and go, okay, I know what this thing is. It's like, you're never going to try it. You're not going to go there. You're not going to live there. You're not going to go visit there. It's just a great asset to have. And like you just put it in a virtual wallet over there and like, cool. So I was going, it's going. Office complex is pretty cool too, because it was in divorce now, but my wife's hometown. So that was a paid for all the vacations. Actually, now it pays for my kids' private school. Also tax write-off when we go up there. Now she goes out there. It's tax write-off. So that checks a lot of boxes. But again, it's not a place I'm ever going to go visit. It's boring. So I had a revelation in the middle of a post-shoulder surgery. It's got to be an opioid, like painkiller thing. What if I married golf and real estate together in a syndication and you could actually do something as you can use your investment? It's an investment. Monetarily, it's also an investment in the people that's, that's part of this club. And my other background is golf, obviously, if you guys didn't know that. We just played professionally, played in college. But we're lacking golf courses here in Nashville. We don't have more golf courses. There's no more golf courses being built. Maybe one. I think one's in the, being built. All the golf courses are full. All the waiting lists are full. So if you're relocating from California, which we have a lot of California people relocating to Nashville, or Chicago, or New York, wherever, you do not have any golf courses to go play. It's like, well, what if we created an indoor private country club and made it and catered towards the affluent? And the common language is an elevated culinary experience and around a game we mostly love. But the game, we use TrackMan, so it's virtual golf, and we're open 24-6. So no matter the weather, no matter time, you could go have community, work in your game, great food, et cetera. And so we syndicated that in 2020, which is a great time to open a better business, by the way. <laughs> but it actually was a great time because the properties were available. And we found a great one is a unicorn property, exactly what I wanted, which is it's we're more of a speakeasy. So we're on a dead end street in the middle of everything. We're kind of hidden in plain sight, no signs, small address, shades are drawn, and we don't allow any like photos or videos inside, like no selfies with our celebrity members. And we filled up in 15 months. So that we the concept of I've been working on for like six or seven years. The skill sets I learned throughout the real estate investing led to this. We raised $2.5 million to go get out of the ground and then got the lease in January 2021, opened October 2021, 15, 16 months later, we're full. And now we're expanding. We're about to do a $50 million raise to go get 10 more of these things out of the ground nationwide to go get a larger scale. 
So yeah, so skill sets. So the people listening on here is like, it's not just about real estate. Once you understand how to go underwrite and go raise capital, understand lending and leverage and how to feed everybody, then you can use that those skill sets to do anything. So when you approach, especially from the lending side of things, this concept of this exclusive indoor golf experience, how did that conversation go about? Because it doesn't seem like there was a really a proven concept or something very similar that they could compare it to. What did you use in order to appeal to the banks? I told them, like, we're not ready for you yet. You're not ready for us. Now we're having conversations. We've had several conversations with a large I'm going to call it more of a regional bank that's very well capitalized, loves golf, loves what we're doing. And we just hosted their actually naming rights to a Corn Ferry Tour event here in Nashville that we just doing well because they see it now. The local bank that we had here like gave me the bank answer is like, hey, wait till you have like when you have two or three years tax returns built up and you have good cash and you have all these other things where basically you don't need us, then come to us and we'll partner with you. And I'm like, by then, I don't need you. I'll have private capital. Like I'll have much cheaper debt to be able to go than you guys. And so, yeah, I knew it flat out because in knowing where the money's coming from, this is key for the investors, will help you. It's like not all the time do you need bank debt or non-bank debt. Sometimes it's private. So that's where the syndications come in in a form of knowing how to do convertible notes, those type of structures, to just private debts, to equity, uh, private placements. Once you're proven... Then you can go into some other different types of lending, not to say bank debt, because they're highly regulated. There's some other lenders out there that aren't as highly regulated that will partner with you on some stuff. You know, your cost of capital is going to go up. So you got to make sure your underwriting is good, but the banks are the last place. And I knew that, but I want to start those conversations early on because our members are their members. So using and leveraging them as well as us leveraging us, we can help each other win. And they'll have a very cheap cost of capital in the future, when we get that point, we're ready for them. They're ready for us. So it's strategic, like just waiting and, but also teasing them because like, Hey, here pretty soon, they're going to be coming to us and wanting us. And we'll go pick versus like begging, please give me money. It's like, no, that's not how you got to do it. So hopefully that answered. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. So how did you find your investors who are interested in jumping on this opportunity with you? Years of cultivating relationships. We do part of my lending company, actually, we do private lending. So some stuff like locally in Nashville, where a bank or another one of our lenders won't actually do the loan. It's short transactional type of lendings, bridge type of lendings, one day to 12 months. We got people that are sitting around with money on the sideline going, I don't want to make at that time 3%. It's like, I want to make more. How do I go do it? I don't have time to go vet the deals. We can go vet them, know the exits, multiple exits people, and then place that money. So we can, if you don't have 
if you have fifty hundred thousand dollars and we can go participate that out, it's what the banks call it, amongst eight or ten people and go, hey, well, we got a million dollars here. We'll kind of organize it. You guys meet each other, and then the payments go from the borrower to lender, we're out of it, and they fund the deal. And then the takeout's either a sale or refinance or restructure or something like that. So I did that several times with the lenders from my group. So they knew what I was doing. They also teach on this. They know my background as a commercial lender and knew that I could analyze deals. And so I built up a lot of clout and a lot of street cred <laughs> with the apartment building and the office building, all that. And then I went to them and I just said, here's what we got. And I know a lot of golfers too. So it's my world going, hey, what do you think about this? And here's the key. When you have to have like a brand new concept. And by the way, no one's ever done what we've done with the golf sanctuary. No one's ever pulled it off. All these other like places like indoor bars, like five iron and all that, top golf indoors. So no one's ever done this. And you start talking to the world of the business leaders and they start getting it. And always go to the contrarian first, your opposite, the people you don't think would actually do it because they'll be the ones that will shoot holes in this thing the fastest for you. And you learn, you learn your business plan and you can go sew those holes up and then come back to them going, okay, that makes sense. What if we did this way? So you get their, their buy and everyone knows the contrarians. So I went to contrarian and I knew within five minutes of the conversation this guy was in because of the questions. They're very sharp. They're very specific. And I had answers for them. And I had buy-in. Like, it was great. And then after that, everyone else came on board. So it's not easy. I mean, raising money in 2020 COVID and all that was not easy, guys. Especially a startup. Never been proven. But I've been blessed because I actually do have several investors that are not golfers, actually don't even live in Nashville. They just believe in me. It's like, here. It's like, I believe in you, what you're doing. Here, do it. Like, we're never going to use the facility. I'm not golfers. I'm a business leader. I come into town. I have lunch when you're in town. But it's like, here, do it. And it's like, that is the coolest compliment ever when they trust you with that. So how long did it take from when you purchased the property to getting it up and running? How long did that process take? So right now we're leasing. So the future locations we're going to buy because it hurts my soul as a real estate investor to pay rent. And our tenants or our landlords are not as sophisticated as us. So we just like, okay, we needed a property. And this is ideal. It's like, we'll just lease it for a really good deal. We do have first right to buy, but so we just got it. So again, middle of 20 COVID, this is 2020, 2021. And we were more free than most of the places in the country, but it was still a slog. It took... Four months for us to get a meeting with the account, the approval committee to get our permits. Just get a meeting with them. Did it virtually. They cannot figure out what we heck we were. So they couldn't categorize us. And finally, we get some smart people in the room to actually deal with them. It's like, we need to know this code over here. What if just classifies of this? Will that check all the boxes for you? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. So a 30-minute Zoom call got us that. A month later, permits came in to go build out. It took us six or seven months to go build out when it should have took one. It would normally take one right now to go do it. It would took so long between materials, labor, all that. It was nuts. So we got to the place in January 1st, 2021. We got our CEO, so certificate occupancy in early October, 2021. So almost 10 months. We got our liquor license, all that about the same time. We were able to open. We did a soft opening and then let a key first members, first early adopters use the facility to go break it. And that's what we like told them. It's like, go break it. Go break our systems. So, and then tell us what was broken so we can go fix it. So we did that for 30 days. And then we started marketing, getting new members on in mid-November 2021. So it was great. What do you think 
was the main reason why it appealed so much so that the fact that you were able to book out within 15 months? So the first six months, we didn't really have a clear communication. We got the people that were like, okay, this is cool, like indoor driving range. And we weren't really marketing it that well. A lot of word of mouth, a lot of socials. They couldn't still get it. And again, still middle COVID. When we started getting corporates on there and started really dialing into the fact that we are a community for affluent business leaders and focusing on that niche versus the tourists and the Joe Lunchbox that's supposed to go hit some golf balls at lunchtime and started like diving into like, this is about community. So what I tell people when I give them a tour, and I mean, I don't run the place. I got a co-founder and CEO that actually runs it and elevates everything. So number two, there is like always higher up, way up because it pays dividends. We started like crafting our message around that going, this is who we serve and why. And everything's around that. So we elevated everything from the food to the beverages, adult beverages. I mean, everything in that place is designed to be that type of club where... And I tell everyone, I was like, they compare us to kind of like a Soho house. It's like, we make Soho house look like Waffle House. We actually walk in there and it's a different vibe, totally different vibe. But what it came to is community. We started creating a deep community and roots take time. So versus a transaction of a department building where it's like, oh, hey, here it is. And you got a property manager and like, you're going to go lease it up. Well, we did kind of the same thing, but then added the community element to it to dive it deep. So we spent money and invested in people that could go do that. And that just took time. And once that took hold, and then it took off. So Billy, what's next for you? So we've got, yeah, we're growing. So we've taken these lessons, taken these hits, both the good and the bad. And we're going to market with our concept, go raise $50 million. Well, we believe that that will get us 10 more locations. We've identified our next two, and then we'll see where the rest go. But we do feel like this is a global private club. So there's real estate involved. We're buying property now. So we're combining the love of real estate and then the love of golf and community all together and creating this really cool community and concept where now it's a connected. People in Nashville go to Charlotte or Houston or Dallas. They have a sanctuary there that they can go to, take their friends, take their family, take their clients and go, hey, here's how we're going to go get to know each other. Here's how we're going to fellowship around great food, around golf. It's quiet, but it's fun. And there's sort of safety there. And then tying on other amenities to that that are really cool. We have a little bit of entertainment going on in Nashville. So getting some exclusive behind the scenes VIP stuff for our, through our entertainment people, tying in exclusive vacations. And there may not be private aviation involved in that membership. So, which is huge right now because people are kind of tired of commercial and TSA and all that. And especially our people who are, you don't want to get them stuck. If you got a CEO stuck someplace because Southwest Airlines is whatever's happening, they need to get back because that billion dollar company is losing money and productivity because that CEO can't get back. So that's what we're doing. So Billy, how has real estate investing impacted your life? I'm not going to say so much freedom. People are saying like, oh, it gives me freedom. It does not give you freedom. It gives you skill sets to go create freedom. And it is a vehicle. Because nowadays, everybody's gotten into real estate. Well, knowing that real estate is not passive and you actually have to work at it, you have to be active in it, made me realize that there's some other skill sets I need to go learn. But people's skills, negotiation skills, the asset management side of stuff, like, well, I'm not going to learn that. You can hire that out to find those people because it's a dealing with property managers is insane, especially now. 
But that has led to the next step, which is not, it's not linear. I mean, every skill set's a jump. You take it to jump up. Now your income and your net worth doesn't follow that immediately. It actually, it lags, but it mainly is the skill sets. If you invest just for money, you're kind of missing the point. You're investing for the skill sets and who you're around is like learning those things and being around those type of people. And again, that's back to use money and love people. Don't love money and use people. I like learn from them. But yeah, it's about skill sets. And if there was one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started, what would that be? Go big faster. And I teach on this and the courses I teach for commercial lending. I got a whole ebook on those lessons. But go bigger. There's more money involved there. The team aspect is huge. And the lender is your friend. The lender is absolutely your friend and know how to partner with lenders, how to go interview lenders, how to learn from them because they have a whole host of data relationships down to skill sets. You can't even fathom how smart these people are. And they're designed to help you not lose your shirt. So like learn from them. Like they'll show you all the Achilles heels you have on these deals pretty quickly. And what is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing? I say what I've seen as a lender and also investing myself, making an offer based on how the cash flow of it. Now, what the broker or what the seller wants is like, no, here it is. And here's why. That's what makes you successful. More offers there and just more relationships. That is the biggest thing. Like you got to create some deep relationships and have that team aspect of it. And the team will take you further than individual. So those are some key, key things there as far as success I've seen. And then always failing forward. If you're going to fall, fall forward, get back up, keep going. You're going to get bloodied. This is real estate investing is not passive, folks. It is not passive at all. You will have to get in the trenches and work. And you better be prepared for that. Billy, where can our listeners find out more about you and what you're doing? Yeah, I've got a little website. It's billybrown.me. And just contact me there. Just a form there if you want to talk about lending, if you need help with lending, if you need help structuring deals, some coaching, if you want to be on our private lender list, or if you want to contact me about the Golf Sanctuary, like all right there, just fill out the form, reach out to me. My team will schedule a call. Awesome. Billy, thank you so much for all of your time today. I really appreciate it. Eileen, thank you so much. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.